The Nutty Bites Podcast is geek certified by the Geek Out with Mainframe Podcast. I mean, you're listening to it. You know it's good. Hello, Mixed Nutcases. This is Nuke Chess, and this is an episode of Intro to Ghibli. We watched The Secret World of Ariadne, or what is it that they call it in Japan? Ariadne the Borrower? which would have really opened up my mind to find out that, yes, this is an adaptation of the first book of The Borrowers. With me, as always, my regular co-host. Hi, I'm not three inches tall. No. But, but my name is Ted. <laughs> and my other regular co-host for Ghibli, our guides. Hey, it's Jen. And I'm Jason. And, uh, this, this was, this was a romp. I'm gonna, a spoiler, opinion spoilers. I think we all like this. Uh, so this is one of the Studio Ghibli movies. It is based on the book series, The Borrowers. And before we get too deep, I want to ask, uh, Jen, Jason, what was your initial reaction to when you saw this the first time? I thought it was fun. Um, but it also made me think more of like Dumbelina because I didn't watch Borrowers as a kid. Mm hmm. No, that's fine. We we got lucky. So we actually saw this in theaters, like on the big screen. Nice. Um, and it is a feast for the eyes. Although I remember it being a lot sadder than this this time with the watch. And maybe it's because I didn't super think that the kid was falling in love with her, but I definitely think the kid was falling in love with this little person. I think watching it a second time and kind of almost like expecting the end. So you're paying attention more to the end. It changes your perspective a lot. So which dub or sub did you guys watch? Which version have you watched of the two you've seen? Uh, both were dubbed. Both were dubbed. Yeah. Yeah. yeah which both. dub? The, the English Disney. dub or the American dub? The Disney dubs. Okay, with I believe Arnett it was. And Carol Burnett and. Yeah. Yes. Okay. So we watched it with the English dub. So Arietti was done by Sorcha Ronan. Uh, the uh, what was his name? Show is Tom Holland. Yeah, show is Tom Holland at 15 years old. Um, and another an amazing Olivia Coleman is uh the is is Homily uh, Arietti's mom, and Mark Strong is her dad. Uh, Pod, and then oh the, Pod Daddy. The oh my gosh, such a daddy. And then um the aunt the aunt may or aunt Faye or whatever her name is in this uh is i can't remember her name but she is a great actress but also emma thompson's mother <laughs> and so our voice cast was top notch and i'm not knocking the disney dub but the uk hey, dub. do you remember was, those oh. strange and oddly confusing feelings that uh, you were getting watching or maybe it was just me watching kiki's delivery service and when you've got a a 16-year-old Kirsten Dunst doing the voice of the main character, and you're just falling in love with that voice. Yeah, this one did it again with Sorcerer Ronan. Yeah, 17-year-old Sorcerer Ronan, 15-year-old Tom Holland. Did yeah. not fall in love with his voice. But uh, his voice was perfect for show. It was a good voice. You know, it, it. I feel like I don't think I've ever heard a bad Ghibli dub. Even on the like the dubs from back in the 90s, like when they did the Princess Mononoke dub, that had Jada Pinkett Smith in it. That had Billy Bob Thornton in it. Like it had I, it, Nausicaa had Captain Picard. Yeah, I mean, yeah it had. Uma, we you know, we Thurman. never heard the dub that made Miyazaki send a, a a sword 
to no. the produ- <laughs> to the producers. So I mean, I'm sure they burned them. I'm sure. I'm sure that in response, instead of you know disemboweling himself, he just sent the original the original recording and just had Miyazaki ritualistically burn it so it never sees the light of day again. What movie was that? Just one of the original uh, English uh, dubs of one of his films. Yeah, I can't surprised. remember. You had looked it up, and yeah, I, I don't remember which one it was. I just remember the story. Um, but I, I do want to say that. Um, uh, so I grew up. I had read the Borrowers. I never saw any of the adaptations because every time I saw a trailer for one of the adaptations, I said that looks stupid, and I didn't watch it. I remember there being a live action movie. There were have been three movies. Two of them were direct to TV. Um, and there are two TV series, but one of them is currently in production. So I never saw an adaptation, but I do remember reading it when I was a kid, but I was really little. So I didn't have like any plot points spoiled for me at all. Uh, the names of the clock family, if you don't know their last name, they're the clock family in the book. Uh, so Pod, Ariadne, and Homily, those are all the same as the books, but all the other characters have different names and Japanese names in uh, Ariadne that we watched. Now, Tech, you never read The Borrowers or had even heard of them, right? No, um, but when you told me it was an English book, my first thought was that this was a rolled doll because it does seem to hit all of the same boxes and buttons that you would see in a rolled doll book. It's that type of of and that era of storytelling yeah um you know 30 second plot synopsis because you skipped that part oh this i'm time so sorry you're not following your notes for the nope. people who haven't watched this 30 second plot synopsis yes. uh, a young boy named show moves out to the country to live with his aunts because he's about to have surgery on his ticker and he needs to relax in the country only to find that the house is infested with a murderous crow a psychotic cat and an entire family of three inch tall people including for some reason every one of these uh, Miyazaki movies has a little techie in it for some reason in this one it's little techie the feral samurai <laughs> can we take a vote that tech starts doing the 30 seconds synopsis all the time that I start doing the what you got to do the 30 seconds all the time yeah all the time well with your, with your own spin yeah yeah I, I thought I was <laughs> yes but you have to do it all the time with your own spin normally it's almost like you're reading a piece of paper this time um, it's it's surgery on the ticker. <laughs> By the way, I'll, th- I'll throw more techisms in there for you. There By the way, I just want to say that, like, what, like, in the reality, this kid dies the first time he sees Ariadne. I like, mean, because listen, you're having you a saw, heart. If you saw a little person, what the hell would you do? Have a heart attack, probably. Yeah. <laughs> Like he would have dropped dead in the first five minutes of this movie, and we would have been like, "Did did Takahata make a pass on this?" <laughs> oh no, oh. Takahata, stay away from Marietti. Um, the other thing I gotta say, and uh, thank you Miyazaki for giving somebody a a lethal, life threatening illness and not making it tuberculosis. Thank you for or being true. a reverse or the mother. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So the the one thing that kept coming to me is that like his mom was too busy to spend time with him right before he went through heart surgery. And then I went back and I saw the plot of the original and it I was like, oh, this makes all more sense. It the little boy had just arrived in England from India and he was a poor of health and he went there to convalesce. Oh. And that 
It's a huge trope in English stories. It's just you're, you're, oh, it's just a sickly boy. You know, think of the secret garden. Also people yeah. coming from India and being ill and things like that. Yeah. Um, uh, so I just, I, I laugh that, yeah, the kid doesn't have tuberculosis because that's Japanese trope, but in the original book, it's the English trope. So, of course, the little people here are borrowers. They live yes. inside the walls of the house and they borrow things, things mm -hmm. that you'll never notice you don't need. A cube of sugar, which is like the size of their chest or, you know, an old discarded watch or a, a sewing needle. And they use oh, these sorry. things in their houses, like even in their like, I love the uh, the art. They hung art in the halls of their little house and it's postage stamps yeah. glued to the wallpaper. So every time you lost a stamp, the borrowers we, have a new painting. We've all like, where did that sock in the dryer go? Why do we always lose that one sock easy? Cause a borrower needs it to make a sleeping bag. I guess it's, <laughs> it's just, it's, it's a fun take on the fact that everybody loses stuff in a house and where did they go? Well, the borrowers have it. So the borrowers have to keep their identity a secret for obvious reasons. They don't want to be captured or taken or eaten or whatever. And Arietti is seen by show in like the first 30 seconds of the movie. As he arrives, she's out in the garden and she gets spotted. Then she gets spotted again. And now it's, I really like this kid and he's not threatening me, but my family, especially mother, is overreacting. And oh my God. This mom is Techie's mom. Mm -hmm, and, mm -hmm, oh mm -hmm. my god! We listen, listen. Except tech, she seemed a little more relaxed. Listen, Tech. The whole time I was like, "It's like, <laughs> like, give her a French accent, and she's new." New. I was like, I was just like, to be fair, Tech. It was as if our mothers fused and became and became this anime character. Why do I have this idea of our moms standing next to each other doing a? The fusion dance, the fusion dance. Either that, or they just stand next to each other, watching you two, and just vibrate. Um. Way, um, I what I loved about this is all of the technology and the attention to detail with how the like you get a vivid picture of not only the world that they're living in, but also the world of the borrowers. Like yeah. the dad using scotch tape to climb things, and uh, the 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 dad solders. Yes, they have electricity because he's using he's soldering to get things to work. I like I just oh. using old fashioned soldering irons, which yeah. I haven't seen <laughs> since I was in school and I learned to use them. And um, the elevator inside the wall made out of um, the sewing, sewing machine bobbins. Yeah. And, and counterweights and pulleys and yeah. uh, old discarded fish hooks as grapnels and, and earrings, earrings. Oh, yeah. Oh my gosh. There are just so many fun little things. I, I want to be in that world. Uh, when they, when the, the Miyazaki or sorry, the Studio Ghibli amusement park, if it ever does come to be like, eat your heart out, small world. Uh, <laughs> the, the secret world is going to be where it's at. Everybody's going to like, can I stay in that hotel room that looks like Arietti's bed? I mean, wow. I mean, this right here lets me realize we need the Miyazaki Pippi Longstockings. Oh, like, yeah. We, we need that. Like, he's wanted to do one. I don't know. Wait, it, did, did a woman write that? Because he only seems to adapt things that were written by women so that he can show strong female characters. I don't know if it was written by a woman or not, but Pippi Longstockings is said to be as strong as 10 policemen. 
I mean, yes. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> well, it is Astrid. I, I was going to say, I thought it was a woman. Okay. There we go. But yeah, like, he, I mean, he's openly said that he's wanted to do it. I mean, that's where there's a character in Castle in the Sky that we'll get to eventually, um, who is a basically adult Pippi Longstock. And he's one. And that, that was basically his way of saying, see, look, I can do it. Let me do it. And yeah. just not have the chance to do it. One of the common tropes that we always talk about on these Ghibli episodes, we always talk about dead animators. Oh my gosh. And fleets and fleets of them. Fleets and fleets and fleets of dead animators because of the sheer amount of attention to detail required. Now, in a lot of Saturday morning cartoons and even, you know, other Japanese cartoons and cartoons around the world, cartoons are very expensive to make. So things like having a flat background that repeats and then having a character move as little as possible to cut on frames, to cut on costs, is a very, very common thing. In everything but a Miyazaki picture, because he will just murder a room full of animators in order to get the shot that he wants. The background that I'm using here, the outside of Show's oh. aunt's house that every everyone can see here. In a normal cartoon shot, this would be a matte painting. What you people aren't realizing is that when you see this in the movie, every single one of those leaves moves. Yeah. Everything, everything. moves and sways. And then you've got this adorable fat cat here who's deciding to hunt and then the crow comes in and there is chaos and things moving and multiple camera cuts and actions and everything it is as detailed as any shot in a regular movie except it was all drawn by hand by the poor arthritic gnarled hands of a bunch of crippled men and women there are so many times that we just stopped and said dead animators dead animators like rain falling onto the stone uh the slate steps or or um paving stones rather and then you watch it absorb uh, uh just raindrops going into puddles uh are the, you using the leaf as an umbrella yeah, the the way that they figured out the physics of the teapots of the borrowers because it's not going to pour like regular water because really it's just a couple droplets so it like bubbles at the end Oh. You even get the surface tension of the water right in a miniature <laughs> teapot. Things like the for me that my big my big takeaway from this is I have never heard a Miyazaki movie with foley this good. The foley is so amazing. Like them the scene with Arietti and her father where they're going on her first borrowing, which is an adventure into the house for the first time. The the sounds that the elevators make and all of the tools make and the grapnels and the ropes sliding and every the rats scurrying through the dark at the bottom of the you know of the wall and I love how the dad just goes see those rats they're bad news stay away from them stay and Arietti's like I'll cut them down to size because he her- knows all the rats had red eyes to make them look evil too right yeah well so did the tanuki yeah oh yeah all right but then dad says, uh, not every, what did, I forget exactly what he said, but basically it was like, sometimes winning is not, not approaching. It's better to avoid. Very disappointed that the Tanuki was not bouncing along on his gigantic pouch, like a hippity hop. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, the Foley is so important because they're tiny and they, there are times in this movie that you realize that the borrowers hear things that the big people don't. And that that they so just the sound of someone brushing against fabric is going to be louder to them. And by the way, I was reminded when I looked it up, one of my favorite parts of the borrowers is that the big people are human beings. Mm -hmm. (laughs) 
that's what they're called. They're human beings. Mm. <laughs> so I think one of the best scenes for this Foley is when he gets a close-up view of Arietti and instead of panicking and freezing and, and like losing her crap, she just holds the tissue up and is like, I'm not here. <laughs> and even the dad says, I'm proud of you. Another a regular borrower would have panicked. Like yeah. and I love how dad, you know, when he picked his side, when he picked what corner of the mm-hmm. of the Kleenex to lift, he's his view was blocked by a bottle, so he couldn't see Show, and Show couldn't see him. Yeah, I just it it's all so great, so adorable. I also want to mention the music. The music was so beautiful and just so ghibli. I'm pretty sure it was yes. Joe Hisashi. Pretty sure, because most of Miyazaki's stuff is Joe Hisashi. Um. Um, I believe I believe it is one of their their big ones. I was looking at it earlier and I will update us on this, but I do know that like there was um the the song Arietti song was written specifically for this and it actually charted. It made it to 98 on Japan's Hot 100. Um and then it was uh number 8 on the US Kids Billboard. So like it it hit. That is awesome. Mind you, this was only written by and and plotted. No, actually, Cecile Corbeil. Yeah, Cecile Cecile Corbeil. Um, This was only written and screenplayed by Miyazaki. He didn't direct it. Yeah, right. He was, and it was a directorial debut by the director. Um, They wanted a Celtic-inspired score, so that they went. It was their first um, non-Japanese musician, but it was directed by Hiromasa. Yone Bayashi. Yone Bayashi. Nickname Maro. That's easier. Which I'm just can you can you imagine being a young first time director and they're like, hey guy, you got your brain. Miyazaki just wrote a new movie and we're gonna let you direct it. You drop dead at that point, right? Like you just fall over dead, right? Like I I would. I mean like pressure busts all the pipes. Look, he's Arietta. He doesn't buckle under pressure. Wait, the, the, the English the English dub mm-hmm. changed the name of the main character. Oh, did it? According to this thing that I'm reading here, it's not show mm-hmm. in the dub. Sean. It's Sean. Oh, it's Sean. Yeah. I say, yeah, and and um, hmm. the that aunt actually... is Jessica. Yeah, that showed up a lot in um when we had our dub on. Or our subs on. Yeah. It showed up a lot. It was it was switching between show and Sean. Mm. Oh, that's that, a shame. That's not good. Mm-mm. Yeah. We we kept our, our subtitles on because usually the subtitles are the subtitles of the Japanese. So mm-hmm. we like to to see both. You can see little differences and yeah. Mm-hmm. It helps with the translation sometimes because you can see that the truth is between the two words. And mm-hmm. I, I don't know. I like doing that. Um so I think this is a good place to talk about the one problem I had with this movie or the big problem I had with this movie. Okay. And that when The Secret of the Borrowers comes out, we are met with this comically evil character of um, the woman who takes care Haku. of the house, Haku, who is unbelievably mean, like locking a mortally, a mortally ill 12-year-old in his room, uh, kidnapping Arietti's mom, 
calling in pest exterminators to kill all the little people. Ooh. But here's my problem. Crap, not kill. <laughs> no, no. And then after that, it's now just genocide them all. <laughs> um, but my big problem with this is that we never find out why. Yeah. Not that they stole her favorite thing when she was a little girl and she's just been trying to get it back. Not that she considers them pest and vermin for other reasons. Not because she's sick and twisted. We don't get any motivation. We just get (laughs) tenting fingers level of snidely whiplash evil with no explanation. The only thing we really get in in this movie is that she objects to them because they're thieves. And I feel like she wants to prove that they exist because nobody believed that they existed. Yeah, they they make a couple of mentions of Sho's mother having spoke about them Mm -hmm. when she was a little girl. Right. And I think because this is his aunt, you kind of infer that she also was with Sho's mother saying, hey, these little people exist. And no one believed either of them except Show's mother's not an evil twit. But it seemed like the aunt believed they existed but had never seen them. Yeah. Right. Like- and then Haru was like just all about getting rid of them. Because her father believed mm-hmm. that they existed. Because yeah. her father built the dollhouse for them and made sure that they weren't just objects that everything actually were. So, yeah. And then you get to the crux of the movie that passed down over four generations of this family is an exquisitely appointed and immaculately detailed dollhouse, which is designed so that the the borrowers could move in and live in luxury, but they're not allowed to because they can't be seen by people. Yeah. And, see, and you've got Haru using it as bait to try to trap them. See, I, this, by the way, this goes into probably, in my opinion, the most well-animated scene in this movie. It's when Sho takes the kitchen from the dollhouse, <laughs> rips up the floor, rips out their kitchen, and puts in the dollhouse kitchen, and all of it's animated. Like, mm. the dust falling, the boards breaking, the whole thing is shaking and moving. Like, he the poor murdered. mother is having a heart attack while all this is happening to her. And then he just scooches in the little sofa for her to relax on. It's he, Miyazaki murdered. He, he murdered enough animators in this scene, I think, to reanimate Mononoke. <laughs> like, that's how many animators he murdered in this scene to make it work. And it looks so, great. So I want to get to a little more in the animation, but right now I just, do you, do you want to know how horrible the maid is or the caretaker is in the books? Because is she, she and the gardener do not have any affection for the boy. They hate that he's there. They badmouth him all the time. They barely interact with him. And she's constantly locking him in his room and locking him up. She hires pest exterminators to trap and kill the the borrowers. And she only lets the little boy out so that he can watch them be murdered because she wants to show him what happens way, when you don't listen. Yeah. If we got she's- the Takahata version of this movie, that would have been the odd. And in the book, he made all the doll stuff for them. And they actually appreciated it and lived in it for a while until the caretaker discovered what was up. And then she was all evil. 
So in the Takahata version, in the Takahata remix of this, you know when Haru captures Arietti's mom and puts her in the jar? Yeah, <laughs> she wouldn't have poked holes in the No, lid. there'd be no holes. I was so <laughs> anxious during that. Okay, so let's just let's just start. All right, the, the, the movie starts out with when the boy gets there that um, Arietti sees him and then she's running to her little uh, cove and the cat sniffs her and starts to chase her. I have a nibbling who could not watch uh, Cinderella when he was little because he was scared the cat was going to catch the mice, even though he had seen it already. It caused too much anxiety. All I could think is he's grown. He still can't watch this because I was getting anxiety as the cat kept going after uh, the borrowers. And I think this scene alone right here is what reminds me of Muta because this cat is so emotive. Like the cat looks super annoyed. One, because his sleep was ruined by said crow. Yes. And then some weird little mini person was running around a bush and causing all kind of noise. He's like, I just want a nap. Can I just, I get a nap in peace. So the cat, I love uh, it, its name is what Nia is that right? Yeah, Nia. Nia. But I just kept calling her Muta uh, <laughs> because she reminds me of Muta from The Cat Returns. Shout out to Chris who who just watched that for the first time this week. Um, and I I love it because he's all against Arietti and then eventually turns around. But the other thing is this cat shows us that we can trust Show because all he wants to do is sleep on his on on the boy's chest and he just wants to snuggle with him and be with him and I'm sorry that is a sign that this is a good person mm-hmm. yeah because you never see that cat near the aunt ever. no no and never near a haku yeah you, he's the cat is never near any of them but show and every time it's with show it is like oh thankfully peaceful sleep and then these little people keep waking show up and then moving as, as the movie goes the cat gets closer yep. and closer. At first, the cat won't go anywhere near him. Then it tolerates being in the same room. Then there's a scene where they're outside and the cat is laying next to him. And then the last scene, you see the two of them together. The cat is asleep on his chest. And By then the, the cat is leading him to Ariadne. Yeah. By the way, uh, this is just because Miyazaki stalked his own cat for weeks. You <laughs> <laughs> get the animation right. Probably. So there's also a couple other things the cat reminded us of. Number one, up close, looks a lot like a Totoro or a cat bus. I think it looks very much like a gray, like a brown and grayish cat bus. Uh, We half expected Ariadne to ride the cat. I was hoping in the scene where she like basically tells this cat she's not backing down by just staring it down. I was like, oh, she's going to ride this cat to safety. I was like, cat bus, cat bus. But then again, I don't know if he had any animators enough left to animate that. Could you imagine having to animate every single hair on the cat as she holds on? And the extra legs? Because remember, Cat Bus has multiple legs. You're sharing your screen tech? Yep. Okay. Oh, is that... Where is that? That is in Japan. That is a place called Saibien. This is a, a, a national garden, a nationally registered place of scenic beauty, which looks an awful lot like the backyard... Yes, it does. It yeah. really does. Is that a pot floating around in that little little pond there? With this? No. Oh no, I'm just saying. I'm just. No, he's just oh. saying. Is there a teapot? Oh yes. <laughs> See, there's the little bridge they went under. 
Yeah. The little bridge, the little the little gates. I love it. Keep expecting to see Tanukis going by on a golden boat riding into the sun. Oh. <laughs> By the way, uh, what you don't see in the next shot of that is uh, Miyazaki whipping animators as they're getting the um, environmental shots drawn. I could just see, like, I I, I don't know, it is some type of Dickensian workhouse with some dude in the back playing kettle drums. Dong, dong, okay. dong, draw faster! So speaking of the animation, the animation, the art, everything is so gorgeous. I am going to double down on my lackluster reaction to princess mononoke because you know what we kept having to take breaks because we were in the uh, tech was in the middle of a slow roasting a was it a butt was it a pork butt yep a pork butt uh because we were having pork tacos and that did not disrupt the flow or our enjoyment within minutes we were engaged with this movie we were enthralled with this movie the animation i believe is at the level and sometimes maybe even better than Princess Mononoke was. Proving you do not have to sacrifice story or plot or enjoyment or engagement for beautiful animation. This movie bangs. It's got the animation. It's got the story. It has the plot. And it is has engaged me. So I'm going to double down on Mononoke is not that good. And I think people that beat themselves in the head absolutely loving Princess Mononoke must not have seen Princess Ariadne uh, be Princess, Princess Ariadne. <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> uh, have not seen the Secret World of Ariadne or or remembered how amazing it is because I I think this is so much better. And and honestly, Tech started the day absolutely grumpy uh, from a work thing, and this cheered you right up, right? Well, yeah, that in the rum. Well, that uh, too. <laughs> but let yeah. Um, also. Princess Mononoke was basically a two-handed sledgehammer to the back of the head with a message about ecology and protecting nature, and you must do these things or we're all doomed. I mean, Arietti hits the same note, and it's not a big hammer to the back of my head. It's, yeah, by the way, maybe we should take care of our endangered species so they don't die, because sometimes they're cuddly poo little panda bears, and sometimes they're three-inch tall sorcheronins, and we want to take care of them, too. <laughs> but my thing is, yes... Yes, Mononoke was absolutely a hammer to the back of the skull. But Pompoko was a hammer to the back of the skull with an ice pick. Uh, Pompoko was a hammer to the back of the heart. Oh, <laughs> But no. Um, Wait, I, I, because I have to do this every time. Because remember, if a joke's funny once, <laughs> it's funny. Hey, Jen, do you remember all those cute little tanukis in a golden boat riding off into the sunset? Uh-huh. Uh-huh. <laughs> that was a, that was a metaphor. They weren't on a real golden boat. Uh, <laughs> I know. I know. Hey, 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 watch! I can do it again. I can no. Do it again. Hey, nutty! Wow. Do you remember that scene in Jedi when the Ewoks get shot by the stormtroopers and that one, that one looks like? Yes, yeah. Shut up! Don't make me mute you. He's not sleeping. <laughs> so, so, but I think what this is, I think it's because Miyazaki matured, right? Like. Mononoke is one of his earliest films, whereas this is well into the later years of his career, which is why he ha- he wasn't directing. Yeah, Mononoke came out in the ninety ninety seven. Yeah, yeah. Um, I also I, I will say there was a bit of a sledgehammer moment when Show basically says, "Oh, we should take care of uh, 
endangered species or there might not be any left. Like, I'm like, all right, I got it. I got it. He was sleeping and he was like, don't, don't leave me. I was like, look, oh, he has no friends. No, he doesn't have any friends. Um, The other thing is, I will say the way he was talking about the uh, borrowers and their conversation about how many there are in the world versus humans, it really felt a little like, well, you just don't know how to live. I'll teach you how to live kind of a mentality, you know. Uh, But I'm going to move from there to other signatures of a Miyazaki movie. There was flying. There was. Because little techie, and I when I mean little, I mean he's little. He's three inches tall. Techie has a squirrel, flying squirrel pelt that he flies like a flying squirrel. Okay, we got to talk about my man Spiller. Spiller. Hey, listen, Spiller wasn't in this a lot, but when he was, he was amazing. Like he He's was, from the OG book. And it's awesome because and the best part is like, he also, he's, he, to be fair, his name should be Captain Spiller. Because <laughs> he captains a boat. Yes, he does. So Spiller is a, uh, appears to be partially feral, uh, sort of a wildling version of uh, the borrowers. He seems, he seems to live outside. He lives in a different sort of community and he's going to lead Arietti's family on their pilgrimage to get to the, the where their new house is going to be. He has very angry eyebrows. Very angry eyebrows. Very similar similar facial expression and looks to a certain podcast host. Hi, I could, <laughs> and I could see Tech eating a eating a good grasshopper. Oh, that's my favorite part. Where they're like, "Oh, Mister Spiller, would you like to join us for dinner?" He's like, "Sure." Reaches under his cloak and pulls out a cricket. Like, do you guys eat cricket? Like, uh, no. Okay, more like, for me it, then. And he's, it like, his it, he's like, but it's fresh. It's fresh. <laughs> and the dad, I love the dad through all this. He's not bothered in the least. This dad, look again, I was talking to Jen about this. I was like, I think we're witnessing another great dad in, in fiction right now. Like he does, he never yells at her for any mistakes she makes. In fact, he openly says we all make mistakes and we just have to learn from them. Like he's awesome. I'm putting him up there with Totoro, to- with the dad from Totoro. I'm put, uh, I'm putting him up there. With let's see who else we've got. Uh, uh, we've had a bunch. We got a no. Oh wait, ooh, <laughs> ooh, almost did a spoiler for some you guys haven't seen. We've yet. seen some really cool dads, and we've had some cool dad figures. Let's not forget, um, dude in uh, uh, Earthsea. I mean, he's not a dad, but he's definitely a father figure. Uh, yeah, uh, Timothy Dalton. Uh, yeah, mm. and to be fair, uh, the cat in the Cat Returns is pretty great. The prince is too. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Porco Rosso. Porco Rosso, yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, he's grumpy, right? Like, does he be kind of just grumpy? Yeah. yeah. The, you like, say that, like, grumpy isn't attractive. Yeah, but he, I mean, that's because you're listening to Batman be a grumpy pig. I mean, yeah. The only thing that would have made this movie better than it already is, well, there's a lot of things that would have made it better, but one of the things that would have made this movie a lot better is could you imagine had the voice of Arietti's dad been played by Richard Epcar? Oh, why? Okay. why? why? So, so this- we kept saying Liam Neeson while watching it because that's what he looked like. But geez, you just want my panties on fire. I mean, I mean, had my panties would have lit on fire had it been Richard Epcar, that voice, yo. It would have been, it would have been like a Luther Vandross concert voice actor. Like, just- oh, man. But uh, OK, so pod clock. 
daddy is a total daddy and and Ghibli knows how to make hunky daddies. I I and bod. He's got a total dad bod. He is 100% square chested like the entire chest is a square he's as as thick as he is wide as he is tall and i'm here for it and he also he builds things he's smart he's oh man yeah he literally has the physique of a farmer or a rural guy who has to work every day of his life doing things like i don't know lifting rocks to make a counterbalanced elevator like he 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 um he's kind he's patient he has a great mannerism and he's a great dad. I mean, that the, the, these are the things that make a man attractive. He's also a very good teacher. Yeah. He's a very good leader. Um, you know, he knows how to, like, example, talking to Arietti or her mother, he talks to them completely different ways. Yeah. Because he knows the people in his family and he knows what they need to hear. He knows how to motivate them and he knows how to not make them afraid. And so, he never talks down to them. Like no, the even, mom is panicked over everything and he never talks down to her. No. And even then it's, um, you know, even when he has to broach the subject with her, it's not, Hey, you know, we've been spotted a bunch of times. Yeah. They're coming to kill us. We have to go. It's, I think it's time for us to move. Yeah. And he leaves it at that. And mom understands and they start to pack, you know, mm-hmm. um, when they have that scary run in during the first borrowing and he turns to Arietti, it's like, Let's not tell your mother about this. Yeah. And when Arietti apologizes, he says, well, let's not panic and rush to a decision. Well, let's see what happens. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And and he's very measured. Also, he never gets annoyed with the mother. No. Nope. Even when he's like, yeah, I'm going to go teach Arietti how to borrow. We're going to do this thing. And she just starts rattling off the grocery list. Like. I love, I love, I love the whole family unit. I love everything about it. Um, I. Mean, I- this is your first complete family in a Ghibli, right? Like, because the mother doesn't show up in Totoro until the credits. Yeah, let's see. No, no, the Yamadas. Oh, you're right. You're right. You're right. You're right. The Yamadas, Yamadas. And they were a great family, too. Like, yeah, they were so cute. Like, this dad, I I, I really like this dad because they could have done this. De- like, again, Disney kind of is putting these things out. They could have fallen into the Disney trope with this thing and have had it be you know, an un, a non-understanding father, an overbearing mother, or just had the mother be dead. So apparently Takahata and Miyazaki had been planning on doing this for over 40 years. Would, this but- has been in their game plan the entire time. They have always said, we are going to do the borrowers, which I love because you can see it. Um, this was created for direct-to-TV. It was a direct-to-TV movie for NHK. And if you listen to our episode about Genebio, Jason and I go into the significance of NHK, but it is the public television station in Japan. There is no real equivalent in the United States, but in Canada, we have CBC, and in England, they have the BBC. Um it was also distributed to other TV stations, but it was always meant to be direct to TV, which honestly, this thing needs to be in a theater. It's gorgeous. Yeah. But here's what I love. It was distributed by Toho, the distributor for Godzilla. Yep. <laughs> now well, I need to see that canon crossover. I want Godzilla running rampaging through the little town. Oh, Godzilla. I mean, let's let's be real. You actually want the Cat Returns Godzilla Borrowers crossover. You see, oh. 
because it's actually not a full-size Godzilla. It's just a toy, but in the right sunlight, it comes to life. And yes. at first it battles the cat, and then the cat rides it into battle with Muta to defeat some sort of enemy that tries and to... And it turns out that Nia is Muta's sister. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Oh, man, that's a, that's a great scene of those two bickering. I'm watching that. <laughs> so... um. When they brought Spiller, I'm going to go back to Spiller for a moment. When they brought Spiller into the storyline, I was like, oh, here we go. She's 14. Here's the love triangle. So we have the classic love triangle between the giant boy, the human being, and Spiller, who is just tech. In the book, talking about me again. Yeah. In the book, Spiller is a feral child who raised himself in the wilderness never had never has no memory of the fam of a family or anything most borrowers live in family units and their names come from where they live the clock family lived under a clock the armor family lived under an armor that sort of thing but spiller doesn't have a family and so when he meets arietti like she likes him and everything but th- this is the first like human connect not human but um other person connection he's having like jungle book yeah yeah, like Jungle Book. And it's it's wild. And honestly, I'm good with that love triangle. Well, my thing is, if this was done by Pixar, one of two things at the end would have happened. The boy dies and Arietti goes with Spiller. Or either Arietti or the boy become big or small and they get together that way. Or, Ari- or Arietti gets the only one Nia, and then Spiller and Show end up together. Yeah. <laughs> Go ahead, Jim. Am I the only one that doesn't think there needed to be a love triangle, anything going on, or like fucking no, no. Joe and well, the movie, well, to be fair, and Arietta getting together. Well, I mean, to be fair, the movie doesn't give us one because they do basically at the end of this thing. He basically says, "I don't know what's going to happen with this surgery, but I'm not afraid anymore." Thank you, Arietta. You'll always be in my heart. And she leaves. Like, yep. it's really sad. Well, yeah, but it never felt like a love story. It always felt no. like, hey, I have an actual friend. And I think yeah. the reason Ponyo I mean, was more of a love story than this. Yes. Oh, yeah. Yes. And I think the reason this doesn't go into love story territory is because they're always, he's always big. She's always small. There's never yeah. a way for that bridge to be gapped. There's no magic in it. Yeah. Where were we? I was about to bring up a point about the end of this movie. Mm. Go ahead. Speaking, uh, Jason, you were just talking about the end of this movie, and I'd like to know where the end of this movie was, because yet again, this is another (laughs) Miyazaki that doesn't quite end. It just sort of stops. And they ended, it's like they're building it up for a sequel, right? Where it's like, he's going to have his surgery. His surgery's tomorrow. He's having his last sleep in the house. Um Arietti and her family are starting their trip to their new house and they get into the little teapot boat and they're getting ready to go. And then credits. We don't even get like a Marvel style post credit scene to build a sequel. You get like two get, three minutes um, after the teapot scene of yeah. saying what happened. Yeah, they, they, that's they all show, you get. But yeah, you still get something. Yeah, they show a nice like again, Miyazaki loves these long, you know, wandering scenes mm-hmm. of like flight. But in this case, it's a boat. And it's really well done animated. Like, I can see this now. They wrap on production and they do the end of the movie. And they're like, oh, man, luckily, it's just the credits. They're normally over a static background. Super easy. And Miyazaki's like, no, no, you draw the rest. And they're like, there's more. And they just, like, cry. They just, like, break down and weep. We 
didn't get that in our. Oh, version. you did. We got we no we got a black background in scrolling text. Yeah, wait, no, we got we got uh they were going through. Yeah, we watched them go with the teapot because remember that's we watched, when we watched the teapot go and yeah. there was a, a song playing, but we didn't get any when the credits rolled. The credits rolled. Yeah, we but we got like they were uh, Arietti and Spiller were like Did showing together the and giving, having good time. Giving her the raspberry. Yeah, he gave hey, her the raspberry. The- Finally, you realized not a cricket leg. <laughs> And you got the part where show was like, yeah, this is what happened and all that. No, I didn't. We didn't get show doing a closing. Okay, narration. So show does in our version. I don't I'll have to check out yeah. the UK version. Uh, in our version, UK does a narration where he said one. He never says anything about surgery. He says one year later, he came back to the house. Um, They were gone, but he heard the neighbors rumbling that things kept going missing. Yeah. That, no, that was our conclusion. Yeah, also, a few, a few, he said, I think it was like, uh, he said down the road at the neighbor's house, mm-hmm. he he heard them complaining about stuff going missing. Mm-hmm. Okay. So that is the conclusion. Yeah. I, you know, that, yeah. that, that would have been a good way to wrap it up. And I didn't get any of that. Now, the thing is, Jen had said something about show started the, that there was narration in the beginning. We didn't get that either. So, I, I think the narration is just missing from the UK version. Yeah, we, yeah, we got some of that narration. No, it was just him showing up and and no, no, when the car was traveling down yeah, the road. I thought it was uh, his aunt explaining no. things to him. Yeah. No, the movie started out with him pulling. Up I'll have to look at it again. And, I'll have to look at it again. Um, the aunt going, "Oh, that Haku parked here again." I told her not to. Yeah. By the way, if yeah, you notice, oh, okay. if you notice, Ghibli loves putting people in rural houses with tiny driveways like the tiniest of driveways like in the biggest boat mercedes he could hey, draw hey, hey, hey. well there were so many little nods here to this is a wealthy family because they had number one the cost of getting everything for that dollhouse the giant mercedes the fact that they had stained glass windows i mean uh there were just so many little hints to this is a very wealthy family's summer cabin you keep Um, saying that they built the dollhouse in our version like they actually sent off sent it to england or sent it off to england and had it built there and sent in yeah it was like yeah in our version they did mention that the furniture was made by a real yeah. furniture maker yeah that and that the worked. uh stoves were made by real appliance makers so that they would work and that he had ordered everything in ours yeah. is just but this is a little bit different but. yeah just a little different that's interesting now i kind of want to watch it again with the the english uh uh dub but uh the funny thing is, so this is how the first book ends. The first book ends where they're in a teapot going down the river. Um, there's a couple of books. There's a whole series. We, as you follow Arietti, you don't meet up with the same human beings again. You meet new human beings. Um, and the books are The Borrowers Afield, The Borrowers Afloat. So this is their sailing adventure. The Borrowers Aloft. The borrowers avenged, That's, and then there's like the a short borrowers story. avenged, and the borrowers um, a field. Those are the Takahata adaptations because a field is just the death of the borrowers, and then he does the avenging story where one last borrower Gulliver travels all the humans they come across until they have to be taken out by a house cat. It's fun. 
if there's a moral in there somewhere, but Takahata says he wasn't worried about that. But <laughs> but um, in the books, Arietti is she's kind of like Ariel in The Little Mermaid. She is fascinated by humans and she's constantly being told they're not interesting. Don't seek them out. So in each of the books, she's trying to start these relationships. Whereas in this, I, I think it's I like it better because she's not like bringing danger purpose by the, by the second book the dad's just face palming like he's just like Ugh. well in the first book uh their interaction with the human beings is is working because um they they uh you know he he starts giving them doll furniture and they start living a, a life of luxury and everything's going really well it's only until the non-trusted human the evil human uh, starts realizing what's going on, that things are, are think, a problem. I think so we've okay. been looking at this the wrong way. What if the Takahata version was the was show poisoning and killing the evil aunt so that he can live peacefully with his borrower friends? <laughs> oh, the aunt didn't do um, anything. Well, the, the housekeeper. Yeah. The housekeeper. Yeah. Another plausible Takahata version is that show dies in the opening credits and that everything we're seeing is like some form of a hallucination. So when we had just started this movie, because we had seen it before, I was like, knowing the end, he probably died when he saw Arietti, and this is just a, his fading moments, like the, the light leaving his eyes. So in the books, um, Ariety gets him to deliver a letter to uh, the harpsichord family that had to move emigrate years ago because they were seen by humans. Um, and he brings this letter basically to a neighbor's house. So it's really funny. And then, and then that's where they end up going. It's really funny that you mentioned that he said he heard the neighbors say that things had gone missing. So that's, that's I, and I, you know, honestly, I do like, Seeing as the last anime I watched where someone had to have a surgery on their heart didn't go so well. Looking at you, you're lying, April. Um, um, the fact that he says what he says when he says, you know, I'm not afraid anymore. You're, you know, I don't know what's going to happen with the surgery, but you're always in my heart, already. That's literally a bit of dialogue from your lion April. So you're, I don't know if the creators saw this movie, but in your lion April, she has to be talked into taking the surgery. And she says, you know, because of you, I am stronger and I want to be strong for both of us. I want to get this surgery and totally dies. Spoilers for that show, which is fine. Yeah, Tech is never watching your Lion April. So, that is not happening. On to, so, can we talk ratings? Yes. Oh, yeah, I, I'm yeah, interested I'm to see what these two rate it. I don't know. I just got kind of excited because there's actually nine borrower books. What? Yeah, and there's a complete series. There's a, there, it's it's a great it's a great little series. Now, I say that having had it read to me and then reading it as a little kid, and I don't remember everything, but I remember loving it. So let's remind people about our rating scale again. Oh yes, remember uh, that five out of ten is average. So a five out of ten is a good score. We're not one of those podcasts that gives everything a seven to nine. Uh, rating, you know, sometimes you'll give something a three out of 10 and cause half the audience of your podcast to storm away angry at you that you gave their favorite Listen movie a three. I mean, but I found, but, it, I found uh, it boring, but three out of 10, uh, two tailed wolves was accurate for that mundane, uh, film. 
Uh, but to remind everyone, zero is horrifying. One is dreadful. Two is tedious. Three is boring. Four is mediocre. Five is average. Six is solid. Seven is exceptional. Eight is dazzling. Nine is penultimate. And 10 is sublime. So mm. I guess I'll go first. Yeah. Okay. In a common trend with all of these, everything starts with a 10 out of 10. Mm-hmm. And we're going to we're going to see how many points they lose from here. So we're going to start immediately right off the bat. This movie gets 10 out of 10 and gets a bonus point for the Foley, because this has to be some of the best Foley work I have ever heard in an animated movie. It goes straight to 11 out of 10. Now, it loses a point for not having an ending. But as I found out from Jen, this may be a problem with the dub that we watched and not with the storytelling as it was intended. So therefore, I'm going to give it that point back. That's just a bit of an, an annoyance. Yeah. And it's going to lose one final point for the uh, cartoonish uh, villainous Haku because we never get her motivation. Remember, a good villain is the hero of their own story. And if I could, it would have taken a 30 second scene just to give us a little bit of backstory to make me sympathize with her a little more and make her into a more believable character. Even Gargamel started out as a basically a court magician and was like, I can kill these little blue dudes and we can get powers. And the king was like, are you nuts? So I'm sorry, are you giving this a 10 out of 10? I am giving this a 10 out of 10 Sorcerer Ronis as the voice (laughs) actress because you can't spell Sorcerer. How do I (laughs) spell Hero of his own story. <laughs> he, he is. Thanks, Jen. That's the biggest compliment. I'll I've come had. back and he still is. check that. <laughs> That's the best compliment yeah, I've ever the received. Original Nutty Bites uh, ad promo. He is her antagonist. Yes, he is. <laughs> All right. Solid. Yeah, I give this movie ten out of ten. Jen. So I am giving this movie nine out of nine. Bailey or nine out of ten bay leaves. Oh yes, because earlier in the book we had the green and purple bay leaves. Um by the way, bay leaves are magic, just so everyone knows. Like if 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 you believe in kitchen witches, like the bay leaf is is the main ingredient. So so why nine, Jen? Why not a perfect ten? What's Um, it missing for you? I guess part of it has to do with um mine was the villain. Like Haru drove me crazy. Because she was literally going after them for no reason. Like, no reason whatsoever. And that was the only issue I had. I loved the animation. I loved the story. I personally did not feel that there was a love story between Sho and Arietti, but I seem to be on the you know lower end of that stick for most people. I feel it was a love story, but not a romantic or sexual kind of like Bella with it's not like her love triangle was b- choosing between uh team edward and team like, jacob let's, let's be fair this is a better love story it is still a better love story than twilight even though it is not oh, that yeah, kind of love this love is more of a twilight. you've inspired you've given me something to live for you've shown me that life has love and magic in it kind of a thing yeah but we can all agree ponyo yeah. was a better love story than this oh my god ponyo yeah Sorry. Um, <laughs> Jason, what are you going to rate it? <sighs> Secret World of Ariane has a nice place in my heart because it's one of the few Ghibli movies I have seen in theaters. I've seen it at Rises in theaters. I saw Secret World of Ariane in theaters. Um, there was one other one I saw in theaters. But I don't... I didn't find this movie to be 
story-wise, as good as Mononoke, because I like that fantastical world with ancient gods and giant monsters. And plus, Mononoke has combat in it. Really gory combat. People get I'm beat. preparing myself to get angry at Jason. Go ahead. No, there are no it's wrong all, answers. It's Co- okay. Keep going. It's okay that you believe this. It's also okay that you're <laughs> wrong, but it's okay that you believe this. So keep going. I'm, I, I want to go with the specific title of this rating, which is, I think this movie was dazzling. I'm going to give it an 8 out of 10. Okay. Um, and I think that may be higher than Mononoke. But it I is. Still, it is. You gave Mononoke a 7 out of 10. 8 out of 10. 8 out of 10 cricket legs. <laughs> but no, I, as much as I find this movie dazzling and the animation has matured and is so much better, I do still prefer the Mononoke style story even though I do think this is an overall better movie than Mark. Mm. Mm. You, look so, so, you look so struggling. Nutty. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, I, I, it's tricky. Um, I love this. Uh, I am ready to go back and rewatch it with the, the U S cast just to get that narration. Um, this is definitely going to be one of those movies that, yeah, I'll rewatch it. Like uh, the two other studio ghibli movies that i have ranked really high or rather the three others um i've watched i'll, I'll throw them on just to cheer myself up kind of a thing so i i can see myself re-watching this um you and vox easily. basically watch most of totoro what just the I- intro just the intro yeah making vox well i just want just, just his <laughs> protest as they start to watch totoro it's like i can't watch this i'm too cynical yeah, he tried it. It doesn't work. It does not work. Um, uh, but yeah, uh, I am going to have to give this 9.5 out of 10 sugar cubes because it's not a full 10 out of 10 because there are a couple of mm, things. And, but, and one of those sugar cubes was eaten by ants. I mean, that's true. That's oh, true. That's true. Ants in this world. Oh. Honey, I shrunk the kids if you ever saw it. Oh my gosh. But I, I absolutely did enjoy this. So I'm going to give it a 9.5 out of 10 sugar cubes. Um, also one thing we forgot to mention, how do the borrowers know and have salami? Where did they get miniature salami that says salami on it? Listen, what you don't realize is that when Mario eats his mushroom and gets bigger, he's actually going from borrower size to full human size. So you're saying that Mario is the delivery guy? Yes. And there is an gotcha. Italian family of borrowers out there named Mario. I mean, that makes sense because he, he, he has to be small enough to get into the pipes, right? Exactly. So remember those rats that we saw in the movie? Yeah. yeah. One of them throws bombs at the Mario a la Mario 2. And there's a yep. green there's a green pipe in the basement that leads to Italy. Okay. Okay. That's where the salami came from. He even makes the boop, boop, boop noise when he goes. See the... By the way, Tech, I think um, I'll have to show you guys one night. I'll have to get the DVD out and show you the um, special features on the Spirited Away DVD. Mm, they yeah. show you where they show you how Ghibli does his foley. The oh, sound nice. of that Audi in Spirited Away. Well, we know that they were actually recorded an Audi going over cobblestone. Yeah, like so. The, yeah. So that was with Spirited Away, which was bef- which was. I think, yeah, which was before Arietti, but he won an Oscar for Spirited Away. So he matured from there and was like, I'm going to blow their socks off. Also, yeah, can I say that it is a crying shame that this didn't get an awards? And I think it might just be because 
it was direct to TV. So it maybe it would couldn't have been submitted, but it should have. Uh, but it did win the 34th Japan Academy Prize for animation of the year. And it won animation of the year for the Tokyo Anime Awards. So that's good. And there's a bunch of like Chicago Film Critic Awards and the Golden Tomato and Online Critic Society and other things like that. Um, but it just ugh. for me, for me, this is up there with Takahata, right? Takahata got a got a got a lifetime achievement award after he passed. And I'm like so you're saying Grave of the Fireflies wasn't Oscar contemporary? Like you're saying that the him doing the story of the tale of Prin- the uh, Princess Kaguya, which is him retelling a folklore of Japan, wasn't Oscar worthy? Which, or at least the best animation of the year award? Like, like it- what they're saying is that the Academy Awards are racist and they do not care about foreign film, and we know this. And also that just because they say something is the best anything of the year does not mean they are right. It is very political and it's all about who bought the right gift baskets for whom to get them to watch the movie just to vote for it. And listen, guys, we will get Nutty and Tech to watch the Oscar Best Picture winning film, (laughs) Parasite. It'll happen eventually. So, Nutty, uh, what's next on our Intro to Ghibli? Intro to Ghibli's next movie is from Up on Poppy Hill, where Tech and I have already said to each other, we like this movie, Arietti, so much. What? How much crying are we going to yeah, do? Because because it's it's sad, happy, sad, happy, sad, happy is the, is, is the way we organize the movies. So if this one made me that happy and I had this much fun with it, I'm looking at the poster here. From up on Poppy Hill, and it looks like little Techie and a little brunette girl riding on a bicycle, and that's all the info I can get from the screen caps that I'm seeing because I'm not reading a plot synopsis. Yeah. So I'm going to try to guess what this is going to be. This looks from the poster like Kiki's Delivery Service without the magic. Oh, um, but I'm also expecting it to take a horrible turn. I can't tell from their clothes as to what era this is. Well, I mean, could you have guessed from Arietti what? era it was i mean until they whipped out a cell phone i was like wait a second now what i'm trying to figure out okay that bus probably the mid 50s so they're not going to get firebombed in tokyo they're not going to get nuked gojira's not going to come out and eat them uh so i'm going to assume if this uh this is a goro miyazaki so he's trying to push a little bit harder to prove that he's as good as his dad. You're so really going into this, aren't you? One of them or both of them are dying. We just won't know which one yet. By the way, I want you to notice that Jen is looking pointedly at her phone and not, not looking saying at the camera anything. or saying anything because she is good. I Jen is, follow- is falling into a major borrower's hole. <laughs> <laughs> I have found BBC Children's Series. Yep. Which you cannot actually get on DVD for the US. Um, I found a 1971 Borrowers movie that's on Amazon. I'm actually going to go watch. Yep. That was direct for TV. There's a 97 version with John Candy. There's John Goodman, I thought. Oh, yeah. John Goodman. Okay. Um, There was a 2001 version. And there's multiple books. There's There's a BBC version with Stephen Fry. Yeah. So yeah. that has to be good because it's it Stephen Fry. It just keeps going. Yeah. 
Yeah, no, I, they, 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 this is a beloved story. This is a beloved franchise. This isn't something that Miyazaki dug up and nobody else has ever heard of. Right. Um, this is, yeah, you're going to have fun. And honestly, like Jen, you could do your own podcast. I, by the way, Dog Days of Podcasting is coming up. Uh, you could do like your own podcast. Every time Jen reads a chapter, she records like five minutes what she thinks of the latest borrowers chapter. I would listen to that podcast in a heartbeat. Remember when I said you should do your own book review? I don't remember nothing. Uh, Everybody who wants Jen to record her reactions uh, uh, for... I don't do half of what people want, so... It doesn't matter. (laughs) Just post on the Discord, Jen. We want to hear your thoughts on the borrowers. So... I will I will tell you this. From Up on Poppy Hill is directed by Goro Miyazaki. No, I don't want to hear anything. Go away. Well, no, he's done only four Mute things. Him. Mute him. He's only done four things. He's done Okay. Tales of Earthsea from Up on So I'm listening to Jen and I muted him. <laughs> he's like, wait, what? Um, I will unmute him. Uh <laughs> What I was saying is that he's only done four things, one of which I don't know if we're going to cover on this. This would be his second item, I believe, is going to be it's going to be his second item. And Earthsea, which we did not like, was kind of thrust upon him. Yeah. And he did not have the support of his dad. So we'll see what it is. We'll see what um, it is. Which one do you think we're not going to cover? He did. um, uh, Was it Roja? Roja and the Bandits? It's an actual TV, Ghibli TV series that's on Amazon. Um, and I don't think, yeah, it's uh, Ronja and the Robber's Daughter. Yeah, I don't think we have any of the TV shows on our list. We just have the movies. So, I mean, we'll see what happens when we get to the end of this. I mean, we are, we while we've been doing this for quite a few years now, we are more than halfway done with what we have on our list of movies. I remember um, they just had a new Ghibli film come out. Yeah, that's on the list. Earwig and the Witch. Yep, that's on the list. So is Red Turtle. The, I can't wait for us to do that because it's going to make tech. But we are more than halfway through. So we 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 are stretching hey, Jason, this out so we can enjoy it. Do you know what's after from up on Poppy Hill? What? The Wind Rises. Oh, oh, I can't say the way I described it yeah, before. No. But I'll say, I'll tell it. Once we're off air, I'll Tell you what I said. Jason has high expectations of text reaction. Let's just say Very that good. it is the uh, completely necessary censorship. So thank you so much for joining us, everyone. Um, Jen, Jason, please tell everybody where they can find your podcast. You can find everything we do at nerdswithvoices.com. We have all the things there. Bye. Golly G Willikers. Just wait anyway, just wait till after talk nerdy.com people. Yeah, no, it's 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 nerds with it's nerds with voices. I don't know what it is. I'm <laughs> joking. <laughs> she works too much, guys. If you don't want Jen to work as much, leave your inf- leave your comments in the Discord. Oh, yeah, I'll drop my cash app for you. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yes, send Jen money. Um, <laughs> if you watched this, read any of the bars, watched any of the adaptations, send us your feedback. Let us know what you think of this, because honestly, the only thing that makes watching these Ghibli movies better is when I hear other people's reactions to these movies. Like, because as soon as we watch them, we, we have become fans and we want to talk more about it. So please let us know. You can do that in the Facebook group. 
you can do that by contacting us on social media or please join our Discord. If you go to nimlas.org and you go to the about page, there is a link to the Discord. You can jump in the Discord and you don't have to see ads and you don't have to see like right wing wing freakos posting weird conspiracy theories about how the vaccine is going to give you 5G and make your forehead magnetic. And you just get to nutcases and have fun. So please join that Discord. Um, and please have a great day. Um, I want to thank all of you. I'm going to actually thank the patrons before we say goodbye. Is that all right with everybody? That's fine by me. Right. So we're going to thank not, all not those guys again. Well, Tick, why don't you tell people what does a patron get? You know, for giving a dollar or more a month, what do you get? For just the price of a cup of coffee a day. Less than. Especially if you go to Starbucks, you get you, you get to keep uh, you, you get to keep the artist in server costs, and well, they get a thank you once a month on the podcast, and they get um, options if they have a promo that they would like to be played during the episode. Uh, I play their promos. I generally play almost only uh, Patreon promos or. Uh, if somebody's got something big, I'll play a promo and it, it, but it doesn't normally go into the main rotation. So it's the patrons that get the main rotation. Um, and they are also helping us keep the lights on here. And because of them, we have two episodes a month, but we have different levels at our top tier big daddy level. We, those patrons, they get a t-shirt once a year, a limited edition t-shirt. All patrons can buy those at cost, but the big daddies, they get it free. And uh, so we want to thank Jax. We want to thank Jason. And we want to thank Rich the TT. Thanks, big daddies. And then at the next tier, we've got our patrons of the arts. And each of those, in addition to the big daddies, get to get a piece of art that I have created once a year. So we want to thank Andy, Mark Cabot, Mark the Encaffeinated One, Melissa, the Radical Geek, and Susanna. And all of those other patrons that are keeping our lights on and keeping everything going and are the Jason is holding up some of his artwork from this year. Uh, they, these are the uh, lifeblood of the podcast. We want to thank Shane, Cliff, Grig, Harold, Hugh, Ian, Justine, Ken, Kinsey, Mike, Patrick, Steve, Susan, Tibby, Will and Zach Man. So we want to thank all of you. Thank you so much. Thanks, guys. You are, like I said, you're fantastic. You're you're keeping everything going. Hi. Nutty Bites is produced by Nimlas Studios under Creative Commons Attribution No Commercial Non-Derivatives 3.0 International License. That means you can't change it without my permission. You can share it and send it to your friends. Just link back to me, my site, and everything. We live at nimlas.org, which has links to everything social media, including facebook.com slash group slash Nutty Bites and patreon.com slash nukejoss, or call 347-NUTTY42. Listen to stories crafted to be perfectly sized for today's soundbite mindset. Join me and encounter myths and fairy tales from new perspectives. Walk with werewolves. Visit with vampires. Frolic with fairies. Gab with ghosts. And, yes, meet up with mermaids. This is Miss Melissa, the bathtub mermaid, inviting you to two-time Parsec-nominated Tales from the Tub. Dive in at www.bathtubmermaid.com. 